Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry. Featuring host Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, SVP of Commerce at Razorfish, and Scott Wingo, founder and executive chairman of Channel Advisor. Here are Jason and Scott. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This is episode 135 being recorded on Tuesday, June 5th, 2018. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg. And as always, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey, Jason, and welcome back, Jason and Scott Show listeners. Jason, we're real fortunate to have with us this week what I consider to be one of the statesmen of digital and e-commerce, Chuck Davis. Chuck and I overlapped on the shop.org board for a little bit there and got to know each other. Uh, and we've been trying to get him on the show for a while. And finally, all the moons and stars aligned. And we're excited to have Chuck on the show today. Welcome, Chuck. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh, our, entirely our pleasure, Chuck. Uh so usually when we have a guest on, I like to sort of memorize the the key digital places they've worked so that I can, uh, you know, uh, sort of introduce your background to the audience. But in your case, that was impossible. I couldn't remember all the cool places you had worked. Um, so <laughs> Yeah, I don't uh, know about that. <laughs> but uh, I am. You, you want me to jump in on that? Exactly. Okay. Well, I'm 22 years in digital following a publishing career. So the 22 years of digital... Uh, you know, I think it's better to start off from the beginning. I started at Time Inc. and I I, uh, I was on the Life Monthly magazine that was briefly alive after the Weekly went out of business, and it was very important as part of my career because the Weekly Life Saturday Evening Post look all went out of business because they had one revenue stream. They really had two. But one they gave away, and that was circulation. Maybe they were getting ten cents a week, but they were getting a dollar a week in ad revenue. And when television came, those publications went away because the advertisers switched to TV. So in my first job at Life, I learned there had to be two revenue streams; and they should be fifty-fifty. And I went on to Sports Illustrated next, and you'll remember that from the football phones and sneaker phones, and helping um, with Michael Jordan videos. It was the first big. Uh, video purchase that the NBA had ever seen, um, 400,000, I think, on my first phone call. They had to create a video division the next day. And then moved on a TV guide in Radnor, Pennsylvania, which was the biggest magazine in the country. At the time, it was 14 million circulation. And while I was there, Netscape went public. And all of a sudden, that meant it was opening day for a new industry called the Internet, and other than AOL, CompuServe, and Prodigy, there were no employees in this new industry. So as soon as there was a browser, I, I had five offers in the Internet within 90 days of Netscape going public. And I called 1-800-GATEWAY and ordered my first computer. <laughs> I mean, things were moving very fast then. And, and I think the logic was, well, if Chuck can get eyeballs to a publication that no one really needs, maybe he can get eyeballs to my website. So there were a bunch of startups in Northern Cal, and I landed at Disney in Southern Cal to start their e-commerce, and that word e-commerce had not been invented yet. So, uh, and Michael Ovitz was president. He had been there 11 uh, he was only there as president for 11 months, and he says, Chuck, who knows if this Internet thing is a fad or not, 
But if it's a fad, we'll find you another job at the Walt Disney Company. So I hopped on a plane, went back to Radnor, Pennsylvania, told my wife, well, we could do these startups up north or we could go to Southern Cal and we could get a job at Disney. And if the Internet's a fad, we'll have another, you know, we'll still stay. There'll be something else there. So that's where I, I started my Internet 22 years ago and uh, my first job. And we, we launched Disney Store. We launched Disney Travel. Uh, ESPN came into the fold six months after I got there. So I launched an ESPN store, a NASCAR store. Then InfoSeek got bought by Disney, and we had all these Go products. I think I had eight product groups, and my concept was learn from a big company, and then I should do that smaller company thing. But when I jump off, I should know more about technology. So four years after Disney, I went to BizRate, which became Shopzilla, and that's where you know me from, Scott, because I was on the Shop.org board there, and that was an interesting time because the industry um, was building up from the O crash, and that took a few years to build up, and all of our companies of the board members were suffering at the same time, uh, at the same time the industry was, including Shop.org. And which was a not-for-profit that went significantly negative at that time. But um, what we found with BizRate after a series of cuts, uh, the business started hockey-sticking, and it became a comparison shopping site and did really well. And the E.W. Scripps company bought that in 2005 for over $500 million. So that we were working with all the retailers. We had research that helped guide the shopping decisions for the consumer to know who to trust to buy online. Because at the beginning of the internet, uh, no one trusted anyone online. And uh, the credit card wasn't deemed to be safe. I'm not even sure if purchases online were covered at the beginning of the internet. Anyway, after Scripps bought Shopzilla, I went to Fandango, which was in the same building in West LA. Um, uh, Fandango had 35 employees. It was, it was kind of paused. It wasn't clear where it was going to go. And quickly we scaled that company and uh, Comcast bought it. And I stayed on and uh, for another four years or so. And that all worked out really well. Uh, that was backed by TCV in Palo Alto. And I became a venture partner with TCV. And I eventually found the founder, Joseph Garowitz of Swagbucks, and the parent company is called Protege with a D, Protege. And, um, and Joseph and I became good friends, and I became his chairman, and he said he wanted me to be the CEO, and he had never raised outside money, and it was already a big company without money, and I said, you, you don't have to have outside money. You've already gone through the hardest part. And he wanted to do it. And uh, so TCV came in on that deal, too. That's our only investor. That is the company I'm at today. That's what we're going to talk about. So I presume we're going to talk about it a little. So Protege is a reward, consumer rewards platform uh, where consumers have earned about $250 million on the Swagbuck site and almost $550 million on the three Protege sites um, in free gift cards. And we do this on, the, on our sites from consumer shopping, where uh, I'll earn a commission. 
and I'll share that commission with the consumer who will get points and redeem those points from free gift cards from basically all the merchants online plus uh, PayPal. Also from filling out surveys and sharing your opinion and from watching short form videos that have ads on them. So those are our three main businesses and we have three brands, Swagbucks, Shop at Home, and MyPoints, the last two brands we acquired over the last, last couple of years. Is that what you wanted to hear? Perfect. Yeah, I, I wanted to just dig a little bit in the past, just because I'm curious. I'm, I'm a I'm a huge user of Fandango. Um, tell us a little bit about that stint, and uh, yeah, I love the little uh, ad with the paper bag people. Is that was that created during your <laughs> tenure? It was, but let me tell you the best story for Fandango. So I started there as chairman, and I was chairman of Shopzilla, and they were the same building. I was taking the elevator up and down. I was phasing myself out of one company and phasing myself into the next company. And about a half year later, I became the CEO. And on my first day as the CEO, again, we only had 35 employees at Fandango, but a couple guys sat me down or they came to my office, two tech guys, and they go, Chuck, there are only like five of us who write code, and we, just, and we know you have lots of things you want to test, but we also know that uh, or we need you to know that we're also here part-time, really, because we're working on a secret project with Apple. And I go, well, I don't understand. Am I paying for you full-time, but I'm getting you half-time? And they go, that is correct. And I go, well, I'm not quite sure this is a good idea. Is it a good idea? Is this a good project you're working on? Does Fandango benefit from this? They go, well, we're not quite sure. And, and I said, well, is it a bad project? Because I'll get our lawyer and I'll get you out of this. And they go, well, we're not quite sure about that either. Now, pause that thought for six months. So that was July of 06. January of 07, my BlackBerry is, is vibrating so much I figured someone was calling me and there was no one on the phone. It was, I was getting so many BBMs. Remember that? That was a text message before mm -hmm. we had text. <laughs> and and um, they were saying, Chuck, turn on, turn on CNBC. Steve Jobs is presenting at Macworld. He's showing this new product called an iPhone and he's buying movie tickets on Fandango. So my team built the first app for the first iPhone, and as CEO, I didn't even know it was coming. That's how secretive Apple, Apple is. And that did help propel Fandango into a site that we're all using very much. Very cool. And then also in your background, you did a stint uh, kind of with TCV, which stands for Tech, uh, Technology Crossover Ventures. Uh, they're one of the storied VC firms out there in the Bay Area. Uh, and I know that they are involved in your current company. Are you still active with those guys? Uh, what's that relationship like? TCV is a great company and uh, has great funds. And I've known them for a long time. I was fortunate enough that Jay Hogue found me. He was on the board of Fandango and brought me in uh, to be his partner on that. Uh, and, and that had a happy outcome. And, and then afterward, he asked if I would be a venture partner with TCV. That helps uh, in sourcing deals and coaching current founders in in just helping in the industry, uh, the Digirati are all around, and having someone on the inside isn't a bad thing to do. Having a great growth equity 
uh, company like TCV has been fabulous for me. Uh, we brought them in to Protege, and uh, they are the only investor in this company. So I'm thrilled. Jay Hogue and and uh, Maya are on our board. We're thrilled to have them both, and uh, it's been a great relationship both ways. Cool. Well, Jason, uh, I know is chomping at the bit to talk loyalty, so I'll turn it over to him on that side. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Scott. Uh, it's, it's fascinating, and um, like you know, Scott mentioned loyalty, but I uh, I'm not sure. Like I think of Swagbucks first and foremost as a loyalty program, right? Like you're you're really a, a traffic generation program for a, for a for a, a retail site, right? Like you, I, I would partner with you predominantly to get more new shoppers to my site that that are already cust, uh, in the Swagbucks ecosystem. Do I do I have that right? That is right and that's not dissimilar from what you know from my days at Bizrate Shopzilla that there's a lot of lead generation that uh, that comes from our shopping channel. We uh, transacted or led to transactions of over $500 million last year in our shop channel. Wow, that, that's awesome. Um, and when I think about that, like traffic gen versus loyalty, like, you know, most people, when they say loyalty, they think of this traditional um, sort of points for purchase program. And, and the hope is, you know, uh, if I get a bunch of points with Best Buy, that that's going to, you know, encourage people to want to use those points at Best Buy. So they'll, you know, Best Buy will keep keep that customer loyal. Um, and it like there's a lot of talk in the industry that like these days there's a lot of fatigue with those kind of programs because consumers have so many are, are members of so many of these different programs that that none of them necessarily drive loyalty. But in your case, um, they're those customers are building value that they can use anywhere they want. Right. So they, they, it doesn't have that same fatigue dynamic that a, a, a retailer's branded loyalty program might have. One of the highlights of our whole platform is we have a horizontal platform versus a vertical. So not only can you shop at any of the e-commerce sites out there, but you could fill out surveys and watch videos and earn points from that and redeem those points for shopping at your favorite retailers too. So I think you have to look at it like an ecosystem that um, everyone puts something in, a retailer gets listed here, they wait to see which customers come, points are earned, those points are usually redeemed to go back to that same retailer, sometimes they'll go to other retailers, but in the end everyone's happy because everyone's getting a good mix of incremental um, orders. That that makes total sense. Um, and I, I feel like even when you're looking at single retailer affinity programs, like one of the characteristics of the best ones is they always uh, rewarded or in, incentivized behaviors in addition to shopping. So you might get, you know, points for buying, but you might also get points for, you know, being a loyal customer and wearing their clothes out in public and sharing them on Instagram or introducing new customers to the brand or things like that. And, and, uh, so it, it feels like Swagbucks has many of those same, same characteristics. And I'm assuming behind the scenes that that means like two other constituencies you have are, are clients that want to do market research and are willing to pay to get your, your user base to answer those surveys and, and clients that want to, find eyeballs for their advertisements and are willing to pay to have, have your 
your users watch those videos. Is that is that right? Like, do you sort of have three constituencies as as customers: the retailers, the 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 researchers, and the advertisers? We have at least three. Uh, we we transacted on twenty five million surveys last year. And we had 6 billion video views. So those areas are very large also. But we also have just your run-of-the-mill everyday search powered by Yahoo on our site. So when you do a search result, every end sample, you get a reward for that also. We also have games on our site on a channel uh, on, in our play area. So, yeah, there are many ways to earn what I think separates us from other sites that might only work on shopping is we're a fun place to go. You, you're going to be surprised with something new every day. And we take a lot of pride in that. We want to be fun. We want to be rewarding. We want it to be a place you want to go and you want to be rewarded for your time. Your engagement is worth something and we want to make sure you get rewarded for it. That, that makes perfect sense. So now I, I think I understand and hopefully the listeners understand the ecosystem, uh, you know, the question I'm always curious to ask all the entrepreneurs on the show is how do you get, what is your customer acquisition strategy? How do you get customers into that ecosystem for the first time? You know, one of the unique things we do is we've got a referral program where a member can introduce another member and we will give the introducer uh, 10% of the points from their friend for life. So if I introduce you and you start playing and, and shopping and filling out surveys and watching videos and you earn points, uh, the company is going to give me 10% on top of what you earned uh, as a reward for life uh, for that introduction I made. So there's almost a buddy system built in where I'm going to keep track of you and let you know of new areas that I like on the site and vice versa. You're going to close that loop with me and tell, tell me how much fun you had and how much you earned uh, in the past month. So that's one way we bring people in. Another really innovative way that um, is fairly new is we launched a trivia app called Swag IQ. And this is... Uh, this was created, I'd say, in March, April, and we get tens of thousands of people coming on every day, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, and we have a 10-question game, and what's unique about Swagbucks is we have our own currency. It's called SB, and one point equals one penny. It's one cent. So we can give points out or SBs out every time you get a question correct on our 10 question nightly trivia game. You don't have to just be the grand prize winner to win $2,500 or whatever that day's reward is. You're getting rewards all along the way. And that has a strong following that introduces people to our currency who then come to the site to shop, fill out surveys and share their opinions watch videos, and search through Yahoo. So it's all related. So, yeah, we've got interesting lead gen um, opportunities and, and execution across our platform. 
Very cool. Um, and this is interesting. So uh, on on the last episode that Jason and I had, we were going through the Mary Meeker deck, and uh, she had a section about China. And you know, a big thing in China right now is this intersection of kind of shopping and entertainment. And it sounds like you guys are are kind of bringing some of that to the U.S. Um, any other interesting kind of models you've seen at that intersection, especially on the, you know, how do you, how do you bring entertainment into the e-commerce and shopping piece? You know, you brought up Best Buy the other, uh, the other question ago, and we did a whole swag IQ episode last week that had to do with Best Buy, Mm. that Best Buy had an electronic circular on our site of different promotions going on in their, in their store, and we had an entire game to tie in Best Buy to um, to the survey, rewarding our customers for for looking at the circular and getting familiar with the different specials going on in the store. So there's many new innovative ways to cross promote e-commerce, to cross promote customer acquisition, and to be engaged in a fun way. Yeah, and it, it's interesting at a theoretical level because, you know, uh, we're as consumers, we're giving our our quote unquote, you know, our value away for free to a lot of these social media companies, and and you guys are kind of actually paying for it, which, which is, you know, um, which is interesting because you, you're obviously seeing, you know, the the government come in and kind of look at what's happening there, and and a lot of consumers are upset they didn't realize what they're giving away, <laughs> uh, and you know how much how much is kind of going along with that data. Whereas you guys are making a much more clear kind of value proposition, I think. Well, we like to think so too, but the real, the real rubber meets the road moment is when we have a live screen in our lobby of our office here in El Segundo, which is by uh, LAX, the Los Angeles airport. And our live screen shows a uh, depiction of the United States and shows who's redeeming a card in which city at that moment for which retailer and how much money it is. And we had done something like this at Fandango when people were buying movie tickets. But what this does is it shows the total number of cards, card value that's been redeemed since inception. And when I came in this morning, we were at $541 million of cards that have been redeemed. And just watching that grow every day is a heck of a lot more fun than seeing the billboard in Times Square showing how many people uh, have died of cancer or in the more current uh, way, uh, what the national debt is per person in the U.S. This is fun. People like earning uh, rewards, and the rewards just power the whole system of e-commerce. Cool. Let, let's switch gears a little bit. When when we talk to retailers, um, a lot of them have kind of had their quote unquote mobile moment, which means more than half their traffic's kind of coming from uh, mobile. And by mobile, I mean smartphones. Um, I imagine uh, with an interactive platform like yours, you, you've kind of crossed over that. Um, how many folks are interacting through you guys uh, to the extent you can disclose things through mobile versus desktop and any other interesting mobile trends you guys have seen? You know, we've got very different channels on our site, so some work better uh, on mobile than others. For instance, the video channel called Watch, um, uh, watching videos remotely like that or, or, or in a mobile way is very good, but a lot of people like desktop too. So, so for surveys, our answer channel does very well on mobile 
but people get to see more, uh, get a bigger picture online on the desktop. So it's the same thing with e-commerce. Some things can be transacted quickly on mobile, and others are better on desktop. So I can't give you numbers, but I can tell you that um, many, if not most, consumers uh, migrate back and forth, and we're there in all areas. The Swag IQ game is 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 mobile, is uh, basically a mobile game, and that allows me to play anywhere. I couldn't play last night. We had two games last night. I played the first game and made it to the eighth question before I got tripped up. Uh, I think it was the ninth I got tripped up. That was the furthest I'd ever gotten. And we had a second flash game 45 minutes later, and I. I wanted to make sure I didn't have a car accident because I had that running in the car on the way home. But I did not play it. It's too dangerous, but I'm at least able to hear it and hear the questions. Huh. Yeah, I, I almost want to suggest that you uh, use the GPS to disable the, the, the trivia game when, when the phone is moving at auto speeds. Seems, <laughs> seems like it might I do be a- just log off. I do just log off so I can focus on the road. In California, that's an important thing. Yeah, for sure. And are you finding like so uh, like a lot of um, the the activities you have are sort of endemically mobile, like, like as you mentioned, um, are you finding that that's primarily the the platform that new customers are coming into on? Like is are the majority of the new customer acquisition on the mobile platform? Is that growing faster for you than the, the desktop? You know, that's a good question, and you could steer what users you get. If you're sophisticated in your in your customer acquisition efforts, you can uh, bifurcate your mobile customer acquisition efforts and give them a mobile experience, and your desktop customer acquisition efforts and give them a desktop experience, and, and acknowledge that there's going to be migration across the two. But the primary way that someone comes in uh, is probably a good predictor. And the economics, as you know, are different for mobile than for desktop. So um, I can just tell you that we play in both and we market to both and we get organic from both. And I think it's important to keep track of both. Fair enough. And obviously the mobile metrics for this industry, let alone uh, the, my company, uh, have, are getting better all the time. Uh, the screen is definitely smaller, so um, so it's it's sometimes harder to get the message uh, for a partner. So uh, that's part of the uh, constructive tension that is there between what the consumer wants and what the partner wants. Um, uh, because they might want more real estate. So all of that is a constructive tension, and we make sure we have great products in both. Yeah, and that, that feels like a common challenge that uh, guests are seeing is, you know, an increasing percentage of their, of their user bases are, are becoming predominantly mobile, um, which, you know, generally a good thing. You know, people are certainly happy, happy to see that. Uh, but it, it does feel like in most cases it's slightly harder to monetize that mobile traffic. So for e-commerce sites, like the conversion rate and the AOV from mobile devices tends to be lower than desktop. And as you mentioned in the, in the advertising platforms, there's just less, less pixels that can be ads. Um, and so, you know, it's tougher to, to monetize. And I think Mary Meeker in her deck even highlights that like the, the one kind of advertising that's sort of lagging uh, consumer 
uh, eyeballs is mobile, that there's sort of a gap between, you know, how, how many consumers are moving to mobile and how many advertisers are moving to mobile. So I, uh, I feel like that's a challenge we all have to face is more of our users becoming more mobile and it being slightly harder to monetize those mobile users. Yeah, it might be harder to monetize, but I'm just speaking as a general industry trend. And, but the retention or the time spent on mobile is probably more. So if you go back to the metric from early days in the internet of page views, which I know is somewhat irrelevant now that we're dealing in video, but time spent could be more on mobile. So if you're making less in your example of advertising per page view, you're getting many more page views on mobile because the customer likes the likes operating that way, right? It's their favorite way. So, so uh, I think in total, uh, uh, the the companies can make more money on mobile just from more usage, even though they're making less per moment or per transact or per um, per screen or per CPM from something that is uh, on a smaller pixelization. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great point because you know I, I think the worldwide trend there's already more mobile more minutes being uh, more digital minutes are on mobile devices than on desktop devices, and of course that's only going to grow because you've got that mobile screen with you. 24 hours a day and all those other screens are with you considerably less. So I, like, I, I think that's a great point. I want to change um, slightly to the topic of personalization because it strikes me uh, you guys get a, a very detailed view of your users over time. So you see a lot of their shopping behavior and what their individual purchases are. Um, but you also see a lot of these other consumer behaviors, you know, when they're when they're using your games, when they're watching your videos, when they're taking your surveys, all those sorts of things. Um, that seems like, you know, uh, a super valuable source of consumer insight. Do you use that to change the customer experience at all? Am I like, will the, the offers that I see when I come to your site be personalized based on my past behavior? Or is that something you're thinking about? You know, certainly we know what people like and don't like and where they tend to spend more time. And there are many ways where we use that information to give a better experience to the consumer. But we've got a long way to go. We've got a long way to go. And most of our customers um, like bouncing around and, and engaging in different channels on our, on our site. So, um, so that makes it an increasing challenge because should I be showing you more sites to shop on that I think you would like, or have I noticed you fill out a survey two days a week, and I want to show you we've got um, some surveys that might be right up your alley based on the consumer products you've, you've answered before. Um, so there's a real estate play, as there always has been, and how much should be personalized versus how much is standard or that day's uh, daily promo, uh, um, that's a, a, an inherent tension that I think is healthy within an organization. You might have uh, some partner who needs, uh, needs something blasted out to as many people as possible in a day. And then the question is, do you show that uh, to someone in, and have it override personalization? And many times it does. So 
I don't want you to think that the whole world is fully personalized yet. There's a lot of data. We could help give a better experience, but it hasn't taken fully over where, um, where everything gets down to that level. Very cool. Um, so it, you described what you've built as an ecosystem. It, it kind of has elements of a marketplace as well. Uh, and we, we kind of started marketplaces with traditional marketplaces like the eBay marketplace. And now we have kind of these hybrids with Amazon, which is a retailer with a third-party marketplace. Uh, and then even you can kind of think of Uber and Airbnb as a marketplace. Uh, when I talk to people that have built marketplaces, one of the interesting challenges is it's almost like buying, you know, building two built two businesses simultaneously and getting that right on the supply side and the demand side can be tricky. Um, has that been a challenge for you guys? How, how do you guys think of, do you think about yourself as a marketplace? Well, certainly I've, I've been in marketplace environments before because BizRate Shopzilla was a marketplace and, uh, and we have elements of that here too, where we do need to make sure demand and supply uh, can be evenly met uh, as much as possible. But I, I will tell you this, I've enjoyed uh, being in businesses that don't have warehouses. Mm-hmm. I got nothing against warehouses. I work with lots of companies that have them, but the marketplace business helps me focus on what I think we're good with. And what we're good with is matching up the right consumer with the right products to be shopping for or or seeing on our site. And, and therefore, I don't have to worry as much about uh, the distribution or the logistics of a warehouse. Nothing against that. It's just, to your point, a marketplace skill is very different. It's getting the right traffic to the right place to meet the right demand. What's, what's kind of the most uh, surprising thing you guys have experienced as you've you know, maybe a product you would have never thought would be popular or uh, any, any interesting consumer insights you, you can share? Well, there are a lot of deals that come on uh, that do really well. We have charity deals that do well where you could sponsor uh, different, um, different things. Uh, there, we sell a lot of razors. Right. Dollar Shave has been a nice partner of ours. And uh, and we're happy to see that that's always a lively one. I think the the one of the pleasant surprises has been uh, the innovations that keep coming. One thing I've learned is you can't be static in any business for long. You know, we're in dog year businesses, so they change so quickly. So if someone on my team has a great idea, um, we'll often let them try it. So that's how we launched Swag IQ three months ago. Someone wanted to do a trivia game. We have our own spin on it. We have our hosts that come in in the afternoon. Now we're getting into themed uh, games. We had a baseball game a couple nights ago for the first uh, day of the NBA playoffs, uh, NBA finals. We had an NBA finals trivia game, uh, which was pretty interesting. And, and we will just keep growing. We will keep innovating. We will keep coming up with new areas. Our consumers tell us what they want to see. They post it on Facebook. They tell us directly. Um, the employees here tell me what they want. We use an outside firm 
to um, to capture all of the employee ideas, and we review them at our all-company meetings each quarter. And I'd say close to half of them we end up Im- implementing. So, and if we don't get enough, we wonder why everyone hasn't submitted one per quarter because there's always things that can be better. And having that philosophy, I think, is very important. And having the openness to just keep trying, keep keep tinkering, keep launching new things while scaling and sticking to your mission and making sure you're true to it. Very cool. Uh, you know, Chuck, one of the things we always want to make sure we take advantage of when we have someone that, that um, ha- has a deep digital experience like yourself is kind of get your view of where you think it's all going. Like, uh, do you do you have a a clear idea of what you think the future of e-commerce is or what, what, you know, some of the big, big trends uh, to think about now are for the next uh, three to five years. I think it's hard. I think it's hard to really pin it because it changes so often. Like I never knew scooters were going to be so big. And in the last month I've learned that bird that just uh, went, uh, just raised around at a billion dollar valuation in its 13th month. And, uh, and and things like that that are just out on the sidewalks of Santa Monica. I had no idea that these businesses got so big. So there are going to be a lot of new things that come up that none of us have ever thought of. And I, I would say I'd back the question up a different way. If you were 22 and getting out of college today, I would recommend if you were my kid, you make sure you get into something uh, along this digital revolution. This is a time where the brick and mortar has been laid, but we have no idea how tall this building is going to be or how wide it's going to be or where it's going. And you want to be there to be in this industry, to live it, breathe it and have a great journey because it is one fun way to go. And it wasn't always this way in prior generations uh, that grew up and went to factories and, and lived in a world that wasn't changing as quickly as it is today. Chuck, that uh, is terrific advice, and that's going to be a great place to leave it for this week because, once again, we've used up all our allotted time. Uh, but if folks have questions for, for Chuck or want to learn more about Swag Bucks, uh, we'll, we'll uh, make sure we include uh, the, the company information in the show notes, and we'll continue dialogue about the show on our Facebook page, so you're welcome to go there if you have questions. And as always, if you enjoyed this episode, we sure would appreciate that five-star review on iTunes. Chuck, thanks for joining us. If uh, people are, are you a uh, Twitterer or LinkedIner, or is there a certain way if, if you have business thoughts you put them out there? I think I think LinkedIn's probably the best way to find me. If you awesome. want to do that, Chuck Davis, protege, P R O D E G E. Well, really, really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to uh, to share your thoughts with us, and hope you have a great day. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Scott and Jason. Until next time, happy e-commercing. You've been listening to The Jason and Scott Show. For all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing, subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com.